0: I believe we all do it as Christians. We find ourselves in a dark valley and we begin thinking that God seems angry. Job did here in chapter 30, as we'll see next, right here on Abounding Grace. Join us. Pretty commonplace, isn't it? We find ourselves in a dark place, a deep valley, spiritually speaking. We begin wondering if we got here because God's angry with us for one reason or another. Job starts going through those same maturations here in chapter 30. When God seems angry is the title of our message as we continue our survey of Job here on Abounding Grace. Won't you join us? From Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose... Let's catch up with Pastor Gary Wagner for today's broadcast of Abounding Grace.
1: When God seems cruel, Job 30. If you spend a lot of time in Job, and of course, I have moved pretty slowly. And it's all because it became hard for me to study it week after week. But if you spend a lot of time in Job you would most likely feel like you can't talk about suffering anymore. You know, give me some happy tunes. Can you please change the song, if you will? Well, we are moving to a glorious climax in the next couple of months. But do remember something. The Holy Spirit would have never caused these words to be preserved for us If he did not want us to be prepared for the Lord to test our souls. Beloved, the Lord tries the righteous. Some of those trials come early in life. I can remember personal siftings in my life, even in elementary school, middle school, and in high school, they seemed to intensify. For me, it was wanting certain people to be proud of me, which I failed to do more times than I was successful. For many of you, when you were young, and for those who are young here today, it comes down to, are you going to serve God or are you going to serve your friends? Are you going to do what you want to do? Are you going to go around sorrowful and sulking because life isn't going the way you want it to go? Or are you going to say with Job, although for different reasons, God is just cruel. Why did I have to be born into this family? Why do I have to be a part of a family that takes their faith so seriously? The Lord tests the young and the old. Why did I get this husband? Why did I have to have this wife? Why am I going through these lonely times in my life? Why is there not a friend who will come alongside of me and actually encourage me so I can have what Solomon talked about? If two walk together, it's good because if one of them falls, the other one can hold them up. I could go on and on. God tests the righteous. If it's not health, it's jobs. If it's not children, it's your mental state, it's depression, it's frustration. It's feeling like Lot did living in an ungodly culture, just vexed. Lord, when are you going to come and deliver your people? When are you going to come and promote the gospel again? Depressing already, isn't it? Okay, but scripture says we are pilgrims. We have no continuing city here. Our roots are not here. They are in heaven. So whatever your particular testing looks like, maybe it's a continual headache. Maybe it's your husband who is the continual headache. Maybe it's your parents, you think. Whatever it may be, whenever God has put his finger on you and says, Stephen and Catalina and Don and Dennis and Francesca and Kurt, listen, I want you to deal with this issue in your life. Then, when we need, And then we need to remember two things about all our troubles. God's sovereignty and God's love. God is the author of our trials. And therefore, it is foolish to try and resist them. But he doesn't send them to us like Job says here. God, you seem cruel. We can't follow Job here. The Lord is never cruel to us, beloved. He loves us. So when he sends us more trials, it is because he says, you know what? If I don't press on Gary right here, if I don't put him on the ground crying over his sins, now that sin is just going to grow and get bigger and bigger. If I don't knock the wind out of his cells, if I don't humble him, if I don't cause the elders to say something that they need to say to him or whatever it may be, you go ahead and fill the blank in in your life. Maybe it's your job, your family, your finances, your health. If the Lord does not test us, who knows what is going to happen to us? Maybe we're going to get fast, fat and sassy and forget about God. Maybe we're going to think, hey, I'm a servant of God, but it is only because life is going just like you want it to, and you feel like you've won the lottery of life. And then as you read Deuteronomy, particularly the first 12 chapters, what was God's answer to his people of old? Listen, when I bless you and I bring you into the land, beware lest you forget. Beware lest you forget. You didn't get these blessings by your own strength or because you deserve them. So it's important for us to remember both of these things. It is not enough. And I've seen people do this. I've done it my, in my own life. Well, you know, God's sovereignty God's sovereign, so we just need to suck it up and bear it up. Well, it is true God is sovereign. He ordains whatever comes to pass, but that is not the whole story. God is loving in his sovereignty toward his people. And that's the only foundation that is going to give us the patience and the endurance when God refines us and tests us. And when we are on our face before him, we just need to say, wait a minute, God is not being cruel to me. He can't be cruel to me. He loves me. He loves me. And I may not feel like he loves me right now. But I don't have to feel like it all the time. I just need to trust him. Because his word will never fail to come to pass, my friends. Now this chapter can be very easily divided into three sections. The first section is verses 1 through 15 where Job continues with, and we've talked about this the last time we were in Job, when God was with me. That was Job's theme. When God was with me, I was wise, respected, loved. I was a prince among my people. And at the end of chapter 29, Job didn't say, okay, I'm finished crying about my circumstances. This is all just now going to go back to normal. No, his crying just continues on. And he says, now let me tell you what happened. Those who are younger than me, they don't respect me any longer. They hate me. They laugh at me. They mock me, especially their children, He says in verse 1, men before who I would not have allowed to keep my dogs, their children now mock me. Look at these men who do this, verse 8. They're children of fools, children of abasement, and children of no name. He says, look at the people who are mocking me. They live in the wilderness, and I'm just going to summarize here. They live in caves. And what's their meat? Verse 4, it is it is roots or whatever coarse vegetation they can find. Their children just wander around. They are like vagabonds. People yell at them because they are thieves. Verse 9, Job says, Now I am the song of their humiliation. So how did I go from being a prince among the people? God gave me wisdom, but now I am the laughing stock of fools, he says. Verse 10, they hate me. They spit on me right in my face. Verse 11, Job says, here is why. Because God has loosed my cord. God has done this. He has given me over to these miseries. He has unbridled men so that they totally disrespect me. Verse 12, the young people, they push at me. They laugh at me. They mock me. Verse 13, hey, here is this old man. They bring Job's calamity to his face. Where is your godliness now, Job? So Job says in verse 14, I feel like a dam was burst over me. All the waters of sorrow and trouble are rolling upon me. Terrors have come upon me, and they pursue my soul. In verse 15, they are like the wind. If bagpipes were playing here, it would be a mournful tune. Or perhaps an oboe with its low, mournful tune, a dreadful dirge. We do learn several things from this, though. One, ungodly men are always going to be glad when godly men suffer at some level. You see, ungodly men have no desire to serve God. And one of the reasons is there is no reward in it for them. So when they see godly men like Job who was devoted who has devoted his life to serving God fall into trouble, when they see you fall into trouble, you lose your job, your child gets a terrible disease, they say, see, you should have just been with us all along. There is no point in serving your Lord. You know we find comfort here though. And these times, only by believing God's hand is the source of my afflictions, verse 11. Job says, it is God who has loosed my cord. Now that may seem like a strange thing. You think, how is that comforting? Because at least we know it is our Lord who loves us. Now again, I hope you young people are learning this in your home. And that you parents are teaching your children this. You know, we talk about discipline, and that's all very good. But we live in an undisciplined age. And it is very easy for discipline in the home to become abusive. If not actually physically abusive, then verbally, mentally, emotionally abusive. How do we know this? Because we are not careful to tell our children, listen, the reason I am disciplining you is because you are under my authority and the way of the transgressor. Is hard, or at least it seems to be so. I am not disciplining you because you upset my schedule. I'm not disciplining you because I am angry with you. I'm disciplining you because I love you. And that's what Christ tells us. You see, we learn early to kiss the hand that strikes us. I know in my own many, 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 many disciplinary episodes growing up, It wasn't over until I hugged my father. It didn't matter how old I was. It wasn't over until I hugged my father. And I think he knew he was truly training me here. It is not over until I recognized the necessity of the discipline and I thanked him. Why is this so important? It is because when we are older, And when the Lord loosens our cords for a while, and not usually all at at one time as he did Job, but when we think, why is life not going the way I want it to go? And I don't understand this. And we didn't learn when we were younger to kiss the hand that strikes us. We must remember we are being disciplined in love. We were disciplined by our parents because in most cases at least, They loved us, and they didn't want us to be fools, and they didn't want us to make a wreck of our lives. It is the same way with our Heavenly Father. So we need to remember this, that when God's people, even you, become a mockery in the workplace, or someone snickers, a lot of good your faith did you. Remember, remember who brought this to you. Don't expect ungodly men to have sympathy for righteous men when they fall into trouble. Let me mention a third thing from this and then I'll move on to the next section. Because he hath loosed my cord. The reason we receive any good in this life is because of our Father's kindness to us, which we, of course, do not deserve. Remember, I... Mentioned this before from Psalm 30 where David, the newly installed king of Israel said, In my prosperity, I will never be moved, verse 6. In other words, David is saying, things are going to be great forever. I'm never going to have any trouble. And then in the very next line, verse 7, But by your favor, you made my mountain to stand strong. And you hid your face, and I was troubled. I was troubled. You know, I said last time we were in Job, we need to make sure when we are going through a blessed period in our life that we are humbled, and we give the Lord credit for all of it, all of the blessings. And then we must be very grateful to God for it. If we're thankful for the Lord's goodness, then when he does test us, our first response is not going to be solidness, complaining, and even go as, going as far as Job does to say, Lord, you are cruel. Because when we are going to, we are going to remember all of the good I have had is a gift from God. It wasn't owed me. It was, good. It, was, it was his goodness to me. Shall we receive good from the Lord? And not receive evil. So it's very important to recognize that all of our blessings in life come from the Lord. So when he chooses to take them away for a season. We don't say. God must have forsaken me. Really. Think of all the godly men and women in scripture who have lost something. But have gained more. In the losing. Noah survived the flood and the destruction of the old world, entering into his coffin for six months, and yet he gained the whole world. Joseph lost the love of his father. As a teenager, he was very, very close to his father, but then all of that was stripped away from him by his own brothers for a long period of time. Yet, what did he, what did he gain by it? He gained a lot, beloved. Did you think, Lord, you have forsaken me? You were treating me cruelly. Now I'm in a dungeon. I'll never see my father again. He was even falsely accused by a prostitute wife. But we know what he gained. And I could go on and on with these examples. David was a vagabond living in caves and dens and holes in the earth when he was on the run from Saul. But he gained a crown. You see, the Lord, by these examples, is teaching us Listen, when I loose the cords, I want you to do two things. I want you to remember that I was the source of your undeserved blessings. So when the good that I was the source of ends, that you still rejoice in me and love me and serve me and recognize that everything you have comes from me. And second, when I loose the cords and take it away, the blessing for a while and test you and make you tired or touch your health or... Complicate your marriage or whatever it may be, I want you to walk in faith. I want you to trust me still. Now, a lot of people will say, Yeah, well, we you know, we need to pray and we need to believe the Lord. But we must remember faith is an active thing, beloved. The just shall walk by faith. It's just it's just not, yeah, well, I prayed. But then we have to walk in faith. We have to obey the Lord. We have to trust that he does all things well and that it is our for our joy. Of course, Job is not here quite as yet. Because in verses 16 through 20, Job says, basically, God is ignoring me. And this is his real grief. As bad as it was to be the song of fools, Job said, okay, my soul is poured out. These are days of affliction. I am so thin from not eating that my bones are poking out and I can feel them there in verse 17. He says, it is my, like my muscles are twitching all of the time. Again, it's because of his disease. He said his garment has changed. And this is a picture here that because he has no flesh, it's like he's wearing a bag that just hangs down. But because his sores are oozing, His garments are just clinging to him, sticking to him like a tight collar around his neck. If you can imagine, it's not a very pretty picture. And he says in verse 19, on top of all the physical stuff, the Lord has just cast me into the mire. He says, it's like I'm already in my tomb in dust and ashes. And what is the worst of all is that verse 20, I cry unto you and you do not hear me, Lord. I cry unto you, Lord, and you do not hear me. You know, that is the absolute worst thing for a believer. That the Lord takes away the sense that God has heard our prayers and has turned his back on us. Now, sometimes this is due to our own sins. Look over in Isaiah 59 two. Whenever we feel this way, we always need to think, okay, maybe I've offended the Lord. Where do I need to repent? Sometimes when, we're, when you're young, it was like I prayed for something, but the Lord didn't seem to answer, and I keep thinking, well, prayer must be worthless, right? But I forgot chapter 59, verse 1 of Isaiah. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save me, nor is his ear dull that it cannot hear but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you that He will not hear it. Who's He talking to here? It is His people. So don't think, Well, I'm going to really pray. Lord, help me to get this job. I really need this job. And then you don't get it. Don't then say, Well, prayer's worthless. Have you forgotten? Maybe there's a hundred sins in your life you're not repenting of or that you're just holding on to. When you're young, you pray, Lord, I really need direction. Show me where I need to go to college and show me what I need for my calling and nothing comes. And you think, why hasn't the Lord hurt me? You forget you're indulging in all of these lusts of the heart. And you're not meditating on God's word. And the Lord in effect says, do you think I'm Santa Claus? Do you think you can rub your magic lamp with a few little prayers and get what you want? And yet, you're not humbled before me? So we always need to remember, when it seems like the Lord has withdrawn that sense of, I hear your prayers, and if you are a believer, you know what I'm talking about. That he withdraws that sense of his fellowship with you. Well then do this first. Ask Lord. Where have I sinned against you? Where have I broken your commandments? Where am I living in sin? Show me my sins. David prays this throughout the Psalms. Lord search me and show me. Keep me back from presumptuous sin. From those hidden sins. Wash me and make me clean. But, of course, this wasn't the reason that God wasn't hearing Job. Job was a repentant man. Repentance was his daily habit. He had no warning that his trials were coming. He did not expect them. He was walking with the Lord. And even when all the bad stuff happened, the first thoughts were toward the Lord. And we may assume that that week he lay prostrate on the ground with his three friends, examining himself. He is searching his soul before the Lord and seeking to repent. But unfortunately, he listened to his friends. And they've just drolled on and on and on. And yet, he still has no answer. Job says, you know, I think the Lord really has cast me off. There is no answer. There is no relief. There is no indication that God is going to comfort me in any way. I look at my home and there is destruction. My friends mock me. Fools mock me. And there is silence from heaven. This is horrible. And I pray that our hearts are not so cold that we cannot at some level sympathize with Job. Job wanted the Lord more than anything else. And to him it seemed like he was nowhere to be heard. So how do we apply this to ourselves? We need to run to Jesus.